0: I'm going to be talking about starting the year as a teacher, getting it right. Um, This is a continuation of our managerial approach in the four principles. You remember, maximum time on task, minimum time in peripheral activity, clear systems and procedures, and clear accountability systems. Teachers need to set that up, get it going right at the beginning of the year. And that's what I'm going to be talking about, how to start school, Um, day one. All right, starting the year, it says two days, two weeks, that's all you get. As a teacher, you need to get your classroom set up and basically running the basic structure within two days. If you don't have it going pretty much locked into place by two weeks, you're going to have problems throughout the whole year, and those problems are going to get worse and worse and worse. I can go into school in mid-September to early October. I can listen, walk up and down the halls, and I can tell who's got it together, pretty much, and who's going to have trouble. If you're starting to shriek and scream, if you got a lot of non-productive noise, and I said non-productive noise coming out of your classroom that early in the year, by the time it gets to May and early June, it's going to be awful whatever you lock in place on those first two days first two weeks is what you're going to get for the rest of the year and if it's not good it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse as the year goes along you lock your system in fast or the rest of the year is going to be horrible now that's not real good um if you get into one of those horrible situations teachers call it um, out of control, or I've lost control, she's lost control of her class, if you lose control in that very profound sense, the only thing to do about it is wait till the end of the year and start over, if you're given the chance, start over with a new class and do it right. Once it's pretty bad, it's going to be worse you have to deliberately send the right kinds of messages in the first few days. I recommend that teachers start the year, or actually start planning before the year ever starts, thinking about the important messages you want to send to your kids in your classroom on the first few days. Messages, so think in terms of messages. There are two ways to send messages to kids. One is to tell them, and the other one is to show them, to exhibit it. And you want to do both on the very first days of class. You want to tell them the right messages, and you want to show them the right messages. What are those right messages, the important messages to send on the first days? One is that we are a group. We'll talk more about how to send some of those group messages, But from the very first day, you want to send the message, we are the group. Mrs. McRae's third grade class. Mrs. McRae's tenth grade, biology one. We are a group. And that has some implications for what you do on the first days of class. You need to emphasize groupness. For example, if you want to find out information about your individual students that's fine that may be very good but it needs to be done in a group context and with the idea of we are a group okay we're a group learning is our main business we're here to learn bless their hearts elementary teachers often tell me that one of the main things they want from their students pre-service elementary teachers is that kids will think their classrooms are fun. No, 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 no. Your first message is learning. We are going to learn a lot in here. And I recommend that teachers, I have no, I'm not opposed to fun in the classroom. But your instruction will be much better if you try to make it interesting, not fun. Fun gets old. Novelty gets old interesting last so learning is our main business and we're going to focus on interesting instruction learning a lot of interesting neat stuff i know who you are as an individual you have to communicate both the groupness and i know who you are as an individual best way to communicate that be thinking what's the best way to communicate to people i know who you are as an individual we're a group You're an individual, you're part of the group. I know who you are as an individual, and I care about you. We're a group, and our main business is learning. So here's your attitude, here's your messages starting to build. I am a competent, efficient, well-prepared teacher. Now, sometimes this is a little hard, particularly for beginning teachers, but you need to send that message. I know what I'm doing. You don't have to, you know, be arrogant, or or in fact you shouldn't be arrogant, but just that calm, clear message, I'm competent, I am well prepared, I'm efficient. Now here's a good example of what students can see as well as hear. You can tell students all day long, I'm well prepared, but they're going to believe what they see. On that first day of class, if you demonstrate that you are well prepared, I've got, I know what my role is. If I'm in elementary school, um, I've already got your names on your desk. I've got your desk or your seats labeled, and I've already got... um, uh, maybe a little for preschool I've already got your name on your cubby and I've got a couple of empty cubbies and I've got markers and things so that if I have new students unexpected students I can quickly do them anything you can do to be well prepared and show students that you're well prepared send real powerful messages I'm confident I know what I'm doing I'm well prepared and I'm efficient okay students will be watching I have clear expectations and behavior for, and learning for you and the group. That's a message you want to send on the first day of class, second day of class. Clear. I have real clear expectations, policies, procedures. You remember I'm efficient, well-prepared, and it's real clear expectations for behavior and learning for you as an individual and for the whole group. I have my act together. I'm a nice person. Sure, you want to communicate that on the first day. I am a nice person. I'm not mean. I'm a good, warm, nice teacher. Good teacher. You're going to enjoy being in my classroom, but I don't put up with nonsense. No anger, no fuss, no meanness, no harshness, nor coldness in that. It's just kind of matter of fact. I don't put up with nonsense. In this classroom, we behave and we learn. No fuss, no muss, clear, competent teacher. Now you want to send those messages. So how do you do that? You prepare and you over-prepare. First day of classroom, first day of class is the time the teacher needs to be absolutely the most prepared. Um, It is helpful if the teacher walks in, prepared for plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan D. Because whatever you prepare for, one thing you know is that's not exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be different. All right, first of all, you need to do as much as possible beforehand or after hours. I know you're not paid to work overtime, but the more you do, Uh, before the term starts and the more you do after hours the better and you know killing yourself for that first couple of months is worth it if you really put in the work before school starts during the first two days after you know the first two weeks first two months you then have uh, your reward which is that you have a classroom that runs like clockwork and you can get through the year feeling good, minimum of stress, feel good about yourself as a teacher, and actually teach children a lot of good stuff. So you do as much as possible beforehand or after hours. Really, really prepare. Postpone as much as the, of the junk as you can. Uh, we'll talk a little bit in a minute about what, what I'm talking about, but the beginning of school is always full of this stuff you have to do or uh, bureaucrats and administrators think you have to do. You postpone it as much as possible, or you do it after school, or whatever. You handle it as quickly, efficiently, and effectively as possible, or you don't just, actually, in some cases, you might not even do it. You postpone junk. You plan in detail. Again, over-prepare, over-plan. Contingency A, contingency B, more work than you, more activities than you'll think they'll need. You just plan and plan and plan. I mentioned uh, the business about uh, you have the cubbies labeled, but you also have a couple of empty cubbies, and you're prepared to put kids' names on them real quickly because you're just planning in detail. What if, what if, what if, what if you prepare to cope with the unexpected. Again, the one thing you can expect is that there's going to be the unexpected. Start of school, is always very chaotic and it's the time you need most to be in charge and in control and well prepared. So you're just going to cope. All right, now junk. They'll ask you to fill out or have students fill out student information forms, like they have to go home and parents fill them out and take them back in. And Some of the kids will bring them, some won't. And no, 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 no. Student information forms. Parent information forms. Uh, where do we call if you have an emergency? Uh, counts of this and that. How many left-handed students born on Tuesday in Botswana do you have in your classroom, male and female? And you're gonna turn that in. Uh, whatever. They'll have you count this. I'll have you count that. Information to go home. Some of it important, like. Um, uh, you know, your classroom stuff, but they'll also want to know student health insurance and uh, do you want to buy a copy of the school directory, And do you want to contribute to uh, the band candy sale, whatever, stuff to go home. Important stuff like emergency contact forms and other stuff like school photographs. Money to be collected for this and that. They have to buy this, they have to pay for a workbook, they have to do this, activity fee, whatever. Money to be collected. Books to be distributed. Now, you might not think that's junk, but it is. Uh, You don't have to distribute books on your first day of class. Um, What you will find, uh, beginning teachers often are compelled, you know, let's get those books out. It feels like something you ought to do on the first day of class. But what you'll do is you'll give your books out, and then tomorrow you'll sign them and fill out all those forms where you, you know, you number them and who's got them. Two of your students will decide to, go to a, move and go to another school and they'll have your book with them. And you'll get three new students and your two books are missing and your short a book. And so you've got to back up and revise. You know, think about what you actually have to do and postpone everything else. Teachers' record keeping system. Again, beginning teachers think, well, you just got to have all those names in that little brown roll book that they give you, or whatever the school is using, and you have that, and you have all your assignments, and you've got it planned, and you have it all filled out. Well, again, um, two of your students will be gone, you have two new ones, or the guidance counselor and the principal will decide if you're in a departmentalized uh, situation to take one class completely away from you give it to another teacher and assign you another group of students. Or in elementary school, uh, they will realize that they're over their uh, state-mandated student limitation, they'll transfer you to another school. Okay? So you don't have to set up that record-keeping system before or on the first day. You know, hang back a little bit. You can keep your uh, information on a piece of paper or, you know, whatever, You can photocopy your roll, and you can keep notes on it. Wait a little bit. Postpone some of that stuff. The unexpected. Examples. Kids who show up late in the day, week, or month. Now, my mother knew exactly when school started, and she had her four children uh, there and ready to go on the first day of school. She would get us there before school, and we'd wait outside. Amazing. There are parents who just kind of have their kids wander in two weeks after the term starts. They just kind of show up. Uh, kids who show up late. Kids reassigned. A guidance counselor decides that your third period class should be uh, completely different and assign, reassign people and move them around, or they'll notice that you have 82 students assigned to you and figure out they need to move some of them. Kids reassigned, coming in, going out. Changes in schedule. They'll make your first period, third period, make your third period, first period, give you study, whatever. Changes in schedule. Materials that don't arrive. You remember those books you were going to give out? They don't arrive. Or the workbook you decided to base your first two weeks of instruction on. They don't show up. Uh, equipment that doesn't work. You planned a lesson that absolutely depends on an overhead projector or a visual projector, and it doesn't work. It takes you two days to get enough time to understand that it's not the equipment, it's the extension cord that's not working. uh, You know, Murphy's rule, you know, Murphy's law rules, if it knows you need it, the piece of equipment will die right then. It's a rule, and you can count on it. So, you be prepared for the unexpected, it's going to happen. So, what do you do on the first three days? You focus on three things on the first couple of days. Number one is learning kids' names. As fast as possible, learn your students' names. In some situations, you can actually get the role ahead of time and look at the role. Uh, whether you've got 150 students in high school or 20 in uh, kindergarten, look at the role. Sometimes you can actually learn your students' names before they ever show up. Uh, for example, if you've got a school directory, you can go through and look at the photographs, and identify them, put them with kids' names, and figure out who's who. All sorts of ways to be prepared and push yourself to learn your students' names as quickly as possible. Now, I do get high school teachers who say they can't do that, and they've got 179 students, and I'm not kidding. Sometimes, uh, for example, a PE teacher will just have these huge masses of students to deal with. Anything you can do that helps you learn kids' names, if you've got 179 of them, can you at least learn their first names real quick? Quick, can you can you do anything? Uh, Now, as a general rule, I don't recommend putting names on kids. Like, when if you label their desk for them to find it, fine. But if you go by the label on front of the desk, you will actually be delayed in learning names. I believe Um, if you work to learn names and you push yourself to review and learn names, you can actually learn a lot of names really fast. I find that I can, in a college class, I can pretty quickly, within a week, learn as many as 60, 70 names, and I can do it in multiple classes. Uh, It's just a matter of making yourself doing work it, working at it, valuing it. Learn kids' names, okay? It helps. Um, First of all, it communicates, I know who you are as an individual. And I ask early, what are some ways you can communicate to people, I know who you are as an individual? Well, knowing your name and using your name is real important. I've mentioned previously, people behave better when they know you know who they are. So when you communicate to that kid, first day of class, he walks in, and you already know his name, You recognized him in the school yearbook and you know that's you know Robert, great. He gets a message, you know who he is. So learn kids' names, learn them as fast as possible and start using them. If you've got a lot of students, a whole lot of students, still work at it, make the effort, at least learn those first names and start using them. Learn those names. Start teaching on the first day of class your main rules and procedures. In some schools, the first day of class is actually a very short day or short period. For example, it might be in an elementary school that the first day is only a couple hours. Well, you still have time to start teaching some of your main rules and procedures. In high school, it might be like you come and you go to each class for 15 minutes. That's not a lot of time. Uh, You can maybe take role and maybe start teaching one rule or, you know, think what you can do. But the first time you have a little bit of time, immediately you start teaching your main rules and procedures. What are those? We'll talk more about rules and procedures, but you need to identify your big rules and procedures for your classroom. And they may be things like, how we start class. Okay, my expectations and rules for starting class. Well, you got to start class every single day. That's going to be a big, important area of procedures and expectations. You may have some uh, behavior expectations, those five rules that teachers like to put on a uh, board and uh, you know post over there, your five rules. Start teaching your main rules and procedures. What you don't teach are rules and procedures that are not major or that you don't need right now. For example, if you're in a high school science class and it's going to be a week or even two weeks before you have your first lab activity, don't start teaching your lab procedures on the first day of school. Teach them right before you need them. So don't Don't teach stuff that you don't need to teach. Focus on your main rules and procedures, your big rules and procedures, and what you're going to need right now, okay? And you start teaching them. Start your academic work on the first day of class. Again, if it's more than just that little 15 minutes, you got some instructional time, start academic work on the first day. Now, you remember, first day of class, we want to send messages. And one of those messages is learning is our main business. You want the kid to go home and say on the bus home, golly, we already had a lesson today, and you know what? There's some homework. Let me back up a little bit. Excuse me. Start your academic work. Like I said, you want the kid to go home and say, Golly, she told us her rules today, and we already got homework, and we had a lesson. That's good. Learning is our main business. You're going to learn a lot of stuff in here. I expect you to behave, I expect you to work, and I expect you to learn. Great message. Send it on that first day. So you start your academic work first day of school. Now, I told you you didn't have to give out your book. Well, those two facts are not not incompatible. Start academic work, first day, send that message. All right. No cutesy-touchy-feely activities in the first few days. This often distresses some teachers, particularly beginning teachers. They've got this cute little icebreaker that they learned in their teacher ed program, and they just want to try it out. Don't do it, Okay. Don't do activities on the first few days that send really bad messages. Think carefully about the advan- activity, the messages your activities sent. Here's a couple of examples of things not to do. I was a student in a class uh, in which on the first day, I swear this is true, the instructor gave out a whole bunch of old bed sheets and we put them over us, and we practice being furniture. Okay, Uh, It it was a a theater class, a drama class. It may be a good activity for later in the year, but don't you dare start a class with something like that. Think about the messages. Uh, Little kids, if all you do on the first couple of days of classes is kind of scramble words, puzzly, cutesy things, What kind of message does that send to the kid about what you do? Might want to do one or two of those on the first day, uh, maybe as fillers, but you want something more meaty, so the kid gets some messages about what we do in this third grade class. Um, In a high school English class, you wouldn't assign students to pair up and write little essays about um, uh, why I really hate to come back to school. Again, what a negative message. So think about your messages and send positive messages. No cutesy-touchy-feely activities that are going to send bad or wrong messages. Again, some of them may be appropriate later, but not on that first day or two. You start teaching your rules and procedures. (coughs) All right, first of all, Notice this word, it says, teach. When students do classroom management and discipline plans for me, they will often say, on the first day, I'm going to tell students what my rules and procedures are. No, no, no. You teach your rules and procedures, and there's a difference. Teaching and telling are very different. First of all, you're going to explain your rules and procedures. Notice that word, explain, not tell, explain. You are going to discuss them. You might ask students some questions. You might let them ask you some questions. You're going to discuss. Okay? We're te- remember, we're teaching. We're not telling. You're going to model. Like, you might show your students how you want them to line up. Or you might ask some of your students, to one of your students, to come up and show how we line up or uh, have a student show how uh, we have one person come to the front, get the materials, and take them and pass them back to his or her group. So as you're teaching your major rules and procedures, you explain, you discuss, you model. You have demonstrations. Let me show you what this looks like. Um, Here's how I want you to uh, put your name and some information on your homework assignment tomorrow when you turn it in to me. See, I want you to fold the paper this way, and up here I want a heading. I want your name, I want my name, I want the name of the period or the, whatever your your rules and procedures are. Have demonstrations. Maybe I already have an example up posted so you can point to it and say, here's what I want. Practice and repractice. Whatever the rule is, whatever the procedure is, have students practice complying. If they don't do it well, have them repractice. If we practice it today and tomorrow, well, depending on the age of the students, we might actually practice it again before we do it. Or if on maybe the third day we do the procedure and it's not real good, I've allowed enough time that we can go back wherever we were and we can practice it again. We practice and re-practice till I know that you know how to follow the rule, how to follow the procedure. Check comprehension. Uh, Mentioned this earlier. How do I know you know? Well, now I've taught my rules and procedures How can I see if you learn them? Teachers do all kinds of things. I can ask questions and have students answer them about the rules and procedures. Again, I can have students model, and I can critique it, and I say, yes, that's right, or no, that's not quite right, let's go back here and do it again, whatever it is. Um, I can have student. I can give students a quiz. I can have them fill out a little test on my classroom rules. I can have them uh, take information home to parents, explaining to parents, and have them sign it and bring it back. I can have the student sign that he or she has read and understood. I can have students write a letter home to their parents saying, in Mrs. McCray's ninth grade English class, here are the policies, uh, here are the procedures for handling missed class work and, you know, I write that out in my letter or uh, I write down the policy for um, taking work, you know, whatever it is. All sorts of ways to check comprehension, make sure the students understand my rules and procedures. Now here's something a little bit um, where people may go astray. In a previous mini-lecture, I told you that it's really important to maximize instructional time, time on task, time in learning activities, and minimize time in peripheral activities. You might think that teaching students your rules and procedures is a peripheral activity, and so you should minimize the time. We'll just uh, put it up on the board, and I'll refer to it once on the first day, and that's all. Teaching your rules and procedures is not a peripheral activity. It is something that's going to let you maximize time on task and maximize your instructional time. So up front, you spend plenty of time, all the time you need, teaching your rules, teaching your procedures, and locking them into place. Because if you do that, you will get better behavior, better compliance with your rules and procedures, which will then give you an orderly classroom, which will then free up lots and lots of instructional time and your good procedures and systems and rules will keep students on task and actively engaged and have better behavior and better learning. So if you understand that, put the time in up front, first day, second day, until you get these procedures and rules locked into place, functioning beautifully. So spend the time up front on these. Plan your instructional activities for those first couple of days. Certain kinds of activities. Here's what you should plan. Substantial, but not long. The first days of class are often chaotic, disruptive. You can't do anything very long. Uh, Periods are cut down. Uh, you do have to spend more time doing things like taking role first day or two, you know, while you're learning their names. So you want them to be substantial, meaty, real academic learning activities, but not long. You just don't know what's going to happen. Not connected to a long unit. You want educational activities that are important, that are variable, uh, valuable, but not connected to a long unit. You know, we're going to study the ancient Sumerians for two weeks. Don't do that. Start your ancient Sumerians on day three, or maybe even day six. Postpone starting a big unit. Do some little things. And there are lots of very valuable, important things you can do. Delay standardized assessment tests, if at all possible. Some schools, I don't know why, and some some state systems want you to start off the year giving them these big standardized tests. You don't want to do that. That takes your students away from you. It submerges them in those paper and pencil tests for a long period of time. It keeps you from forming your group and your groupness. It keeps you from teaching your rules and procedures, and it really, really Uh, slows you down and bogs you down in reaching out and getting that that classroom up and running the first few days try to delay these don't do this kind of thing up front. do use teacher-made assessments to get to know students abilities now you say what can you do in the first few days that substantial activities but not long not connected to a big new unit uh, meaningful, et cetera, et cetera. Well, little brief assessment activities. For example, you might have students do 10 math problems connected to what you think they learned last year, um, exchange papers, grade each other's paper. And the way you grade them is you actually work through the problems and discuss doing this, doing that, who made a mistake, what was it, what, okay, what prints So you do an assessment. You have the the graded paper to show you students' different uh, uh, abilities. You also assess what they remember. You may find out they didn't cover some stuff you thought they covered it or over the summer it disappeared, and you begin conducting a review. If you discover that everybody or almost everybody missed problem number six, that tells you something you need to reteach on day two, and suddenly you've got your little 20-minute uh, math unit for the next day out of your assessment, whatever. Uh, having students write a real simple essay. I don't i don't uh, recommend what I did on my summer vacation because it's kind of tri- trite. But when teachers assigned you to do that, this is what they were trying to do, to get you to write so they get a writing sample from you about a topic everybody can, can respond to. You don't have to have any special information. You just talk about what you did on your summer vacation. And they can keep you busy for, for a little while uh, in a worthwhile educational activity, and then they get that essay. They also then have maybe some, some basis to start on the second unit from whatever that essay was. We might move into a critique uh, on day two, critique, revise, rewrite kind of of activity. So teacher-made assessments are one good way to start the year. Brief, informative, useful, often flow into uh, some kind of reteaching, review uh, kind of uh, repractice before you then get into your big units. Instructional activities. Focus on whole group instruction and activities. First few days, maybe even the first few weeks, focus on whole group activities. That doesn't mean you couldn't do a brief partner activity, but really I recommend that you delay any kind of group activity until at least the second week. If you don't feel you have your class really formed and moving smoothly, if you don't feel you've got your main procedures and rules locked into place, delay those group activities or delay those difficult activities like your lab activities. Delay those until you've got things under control. Elementary teachers who are going to use reading groups, you don't have to start reading groups on the first day. You don't have to start them in the first week or even the second week. Wait until you've got your group formed and your group procedures and your group activities working well. Then, week two, whenever you start teaching and practicing your uh, safety procedures for your biology lab, or you start teaching how we handle reading groups. While I'm working with this group here, you will be doing this. When I finish with this group, I will dismiss them this way. I will call the next group this way. Whatever your procedures are, teaching them for those activities right before you need them, practice them until they're working, and then you move into them after you've got your whole group activities going and your group formed. Delay complicated activities. Group activities. The lab, um, whatever it is that requires movement, that requires physical activity, that requires coordination, cooperation, anything that's complicated, wait as long as you can. Wait until you've got your group going, your class going. Delay those complicated activities. Teach procedures for homework and assigning it early. And again, I recommend that you sign a little bit on the first day of class so they can go home saying, golly, we got homework. Just a little bit so that you know you'll get compliance. Something simple, something easy. They can do it. Get it back. Put your You've already taught your procedures on the second day. You put them into effect. You take up that homework. You check it. You use it for instruction, whatever. And you get your homework going. All right, first couple of weeks, teachers need to hover. And again, it can be very, very exhausting, but if you put the work in up front, hover over them like the mother hummingbird, hover. Teach those rules and procedures. And remember, teach, not tell, teach. Lock them into place. Make sure they're happening. Monitor. Don't let them go wrong. Monitor, teach, and if it's not good, you review and you reteach those procedures. Don't let kids go wrong in the first couple of weeks. Enforce your rules as soon as you're reasonably sure they know. For example, you teach your procedures for coming into the room and starting class on the first day on the second day you might stand near the door so you can see students coming in the room and students outside the room and as they come in you you know you talk about your procedures and you say yes that's correct right right no i'm sorry that's not right now what were we you reteach you monitor you make them come into the room correctly when the bell rings you start off by Uh, giving them some feedback on how they came into the room, this was good, this was not so good, now what are we supposed to, remember, Uh, you're supposed to sit down, yes, and you get out what, and what are you supposed to have with you, And, and you don't let them go wrong. The third day, you do it again. Fourth day, you do it again. You don't start lightening up until you see it's starting to happen, then you back off gradually until you've got it into place, okay? They know how to come into the room. They know how to start class. They're ready for class, and they're doing it right. Even then, throughout the year, I may need to give a few little reminders. You know, keep make them going. Don't let students go wrong from the very beginning. Don't think, well, the first two, three days don't matter. You know, I'll start getting things shaped up on day four or day five or day 20. You get them going in the right direction the day Um, An expression that many teachers, uh, many beginning teachers hear uh, from a man named Harry Wong, who's written a very good book about for inexperienced teachers, how to start school, is the concept day one. Okay? Keep in mind, day one. And what you do on day one, and it actually starts before day one with your preparation, is you lock your system into place. If you put in the effort and the attention and the planning and the careful uh, monitoring and reteaching and you just sort of kill yourself for about the first two weeks, what you get is a big payoff in the long run for you and for your students. You remember, when they behave and learn, you like being a teacher, you feel good about being being a teacher, and when they behave and learn, they learn more and their life is enriched. Okay. So this is how you start a school year. Take care. All right.